Welcome everyone to POV Crypto, the only podcast that both Bitcoiners and Ethereans listen to. I'm David Hoffman, here with my buddy Christian. Christian, how you doing? Doing good, man. Just working hard to make Bitcoin 2020 and POV Crypto the best ever. So it's a lot of hard work, but really fun. Should we submit POV Crypto to uh, Gitcoin Grants for round five? Give me your money. Probably not because we take advertisement. Speaking of our advertisers, let's get right into them. All right. I think I'm going to cover both advertisers. We're going to be talking first yes. about eToro. So eToro is our longtime sponsor and one of the best exchanges in the game. Uh, they're one of the exchanges with some of the coolest trading tools, um, really very differentiated from all the other guys in the space, especially in the United States. I think the coolest tool is they actually try to teach you how to trade and they give you a virtual account where you can trade your favorite cryptos and Bitcoin um, without actually having risk. You get 100000 fake dollars in order to practice up and chart and do all that fun stuff. And then on the complete other side of the spectrum, if you want to get real exposure to an active trading style, you can follow uh, a massive list of different professional traders and get exposure to their trading style um, and put your money on their active trading rather than you doing any of the work. So if you want to learn how to trade, check out eToro. If you just want exposure to a little bit of active trading, go on eToro. And if you just want to stack sats or buy ether, whatever, like you can buy your crypto on eToro and pull it off. So make sure to check out eToro at b.tc backslash eToro POV. Again, that is b.tc backslash eToro POV. The weirdest domain ever, but you should go there and let them know that we sent you. Next is Unchained Capital. This is one of my favorite companies in the space. Unchained is a company that is built on top of Bitcoin technology, specifically multi-sig. Uh, my favorite thing about Unchained Capital is their multi-sig vault. Right now, it is one of the easiest to store your Bitcoin in deep cold storage with multiple keys, as well as getting some of Unchained Capital's professional financial services on top of your multi-sig. So they call it collaborative custody. Um, the way I see it is you get to have a countersigner that is going to go check up on you. If you're moving a lot of funds, they're going to back you up with one of the keys. But if you don't want them, you can just sign out. So it is the new version of a bank account. Um, you don't actually give up your funds. And they're, they're about dedicated address where all your funds are stored on the Bitcoin blockchain. On the flip side, they also give out loans. And unlike the other guys, Unchained Capital is all about full custody in terms of having all the funds on chain, no rehypothecation, no pulling the funds together, no shorting Bitcoin with your funds. All your funds stay on chain, locked up um, in a, again, a multi-sig wallet. Um, Unchained holds a key, an arbiter holds a key, you hold a key, it's collaborative custody. Really Bitcoin forward business and a big fan. Check them out at unchained-capital.com. Uh, go on their Twitter at Unchained Capital. Check out some of their blog posts. Um, their most recent one by Parker Lewis is fantastic. Parker Lewis is coming on the show later this month. So yeah, Unchained Capital, thank you for sponsoring the show. So we brought on Kevin Owaki from the Gitcoin project onto POV Crypto to kind of give us a recap of what Gitcoin has done so far and where it fits in the greater sphere of funding open source. For those that don't know, Gitcoin is kind of the other side of the, what I call the other side of the coin to GitHub, where GitHub is a place to uh, write and publish open source software. And Gitcoin is the place to get funded for writing your open source software. 
so it's a pretty broad uh, scope of uh, possibilities. And when it comes to just building code, uh, right now, uh, Gitcoin is a consensus uh, wing. I think that's right. I hope that's right. Uh, and then also it's, it's famous for its CLR grants, which is uh, money from the EF being pushed out to uh, a bunch of projects and teams in the space that need funding. And it's also a way to amplify uh, crowdsourced donations. And so if the way that it works is that if one person donates $100 to one project, they'll get matched some small amount. But if 100 people donate $1 each to another project, they will be, donated, they will be matched to a much larger degree. And so this turns into a pretty interesting project that uh, Kevin thinks is great for Ethereum, but also is very applicable to uh, the information age that we all live in. Uh, and so I, I thought it was a really insightful conversation all the way through and through. And we uh, carry over a wide range of conversation from the beginning of Gitcoin to what Gitcoin can do and wrapping up and summarizing Gitcoin grants rounds one through four. So let's just go ahead and get right into it. I bring you Kevin Owaki from Gitcoin. All right, Kevin Owaki, welcome to POV Crypto. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. So Kevin, you are the leader behind the uh, Gitcoin project. Uh, well, before you explain what Gitcoin is, maybe you can explain your story of how you arrived at Gitcoin. Yeah, so uh, I have a software engineering, a computer science degree from Delaware in 2006, have been building web startups all of my life, starting with an online dating website back in 2008, and uh, raised about a million bucks Series A for that the week that Lehman Brothers collapsed. So that was quite an adventure to kick off my career in startups. But uh, yeah, Ran that company for five years, been in startups for the last 10 years, and have used open source software for every single startup that I use. I don't create my own database server, my own web server. I use open source software, and I feel like we're standing on the shoulders of giants. And uh, open source is, is our digital roads and bridges. It's the foundation of a lot of our digital infrastructure. So uh, that's what brought me to Gitcoin, wanting to support open source software, support the commons. So... Gitcoin is involved with consensus. How did that happen? Well, uh, I'm not sure when this is finally published, if your viewers will be able to see it, but I built Gitcoin in my basement, which you guys mm -hmm. are looking at. Um, if you can see it, it's a little bit messy right now. My wife would be mad at me for letting the internet see this. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I built it in my basement. I built four or so blockchain side projects before Gitcoin, and Gitcoin was the one that felt like it was going to stick. So I doubled down on it. I, I spent like three months, nights and weekends building it, getting the prototype launched. I, I like invested some of my gains from the Ethereum bull market in 2017. Oh, I remember the bull market. Um, I invested <laughs> those into Gitcoin's brand and like a launch video and I launched it and devs kept coming in and I eventually got an intro to Joe. And um, luckily, luckily, Joe agreed to Joe and Consensus agreed to to fund the project. So it's been a been a wild ride. But Joe and Consensus took us from the uh, from the, it being a side project that only my friends used to a project that Truffle and MetaMask and other top tier projects used. What is your story with Ethereum? Like it sounds like you were already invested in the Ethereum ecosystem before you know long before Gitcoin. Yeah, so um, I worked at a web startup in Boulder, Colorado with my friend Piper Merriam, 
who is now at the Ethereum Foundation leading their Python team. And he was always talking about, I mean, all the engineers were into Bitcoin, but Piper especially was like, how about this Ethereum white paper that just happened? And so he kind of pulled me down down the rabbit hole, rabbit hole a little bit, but just, you know, the dream of open source programmable money and smart contracts kind of captivated a lot of us back around 2015, 2016. And, um, and Piper just kind of, Piper and I've worked at three of the same companies over the last 10 years and uh, Piper pulled me down the rabbit hole. What's your opinion of like, if, if there's a spectrum between like ether, Bitcoin, uh, somewhere in between, like, where do you find yourself in terms of like, where, you know, where your interests are as well as, you know, potentially even community alignment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so, I mean, the, the crypto environment is pretty tribal. And, uh, you know, I think that we can recognize that, I guess, when you have stateful internet, you have, you have money invested in these protocols that people can kind of go at each other's throats. I, I think that Ethereum had the best technology in 2015, and um, it got a developer network effect from being the first smart contract protocol that had good enough tech and mission, like ethos alignment with a lot of developers across the world. And, you know, I'm, I'm not really much of a maximalist these days. I, I do kind of, um, I do kind of engage in some of the tribal warfare on Twitter when people say things that are untrue about Ethereum. And, but I mean, I think Bitcoin, or Bitcoin, Bitcoin paved the way for a lot of really amazing innovation in the decentralization space. And it would be arrogant to not, to not recognize that. Um, I think Zcash is doing a lot of amazing stuff in, in privacy preserving technology. And, uh, and so I'm, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of really great valid projects out there. So let's get into Gitcoin and it's, uh, to me, it's relationship with GitHub. Uh, there, when you make your Gitcoin account, you log in with GitHub. And to me, I see these things as being uh, two sides of the same coin, where GitHub is now getting its uh, financial uh, its financial counterpart, its incentive, uh, incentive and reward counterpart. So maybe you can a, a, explain Gitcoin and then maybe how you see it, uh, it growing a relationship with GitHub. Yeah, sure. So uh, Gitcoin's mission is to grow and sustain open source software. So uh, open source creates $400 billion per year in economic value and software developers who are working on open source guys or gals like me are contributing their nights and weekends time away from their family and friends in order to maintain open source. And it's in a lot of cases, not monetizable because it's a public good. And so we wanted to write that wrong. We want to create economic opportunities for software developers. We want people who are creating value to be able to capture some of that value, be able to pay their mortgage, support their family just by, just by working for open source software. And, and so, you know, that's kind of our dream is to have a, a slice of internet users, internet developers who are just working for the open internet and don't have a boss, they're just funded by the open internet. So that's our end game. Um, as you noted, GitHub, which is the largest software collaboration tool out there, is starting to innovate and they just launched GitHub sponsors. And I think that's sort of what you're asking about, right? Yeah, so yeah. I, yeah. I, I think it's exciting to see, to see them recognize the the problem and to start making making moves towards helping open source maintainers collect collect money 
Um, I'm in touch with the program manager of GitHub sponsors, and it sounds like she's really dedicated to the cause. Um, like me, she is a student of Nadia Eggball and the Roads and Bridges report that she did in 2015-2016, which is this really amazing report funded by the Ford Foundation that makes the point that open source software is like our digital roads and bridges in, mm -hmm. in that we rely on it as a, from an infrastructure perspective, but it's unlike our physical infrastructure in that it's not really well funded. So um, I'm a big supporter of GitHub and GitHub sponsors, and I hope they continue to innovate. I think that uh, solving this problem is big enough that, that multiple people multiple people taking a stab at it is, is, is a good thing. It's a diverse thing for the ecosystem. So I definitely want to get into the specifics between Gitcoins round one through three, round the uh, very recent round four, and then also Vitalik's uh, analysis of round four. But I think mm -hmm. uh, a, a good place to interject here before we get get to there is how how uh, open source funding is a key component of this whole blockchain space. Uh, mm -hmm. Blockchains, especially Bitcoin, there's no on-chain funding. Uh, Decred, there is on-chain funding. Ethereum, there's yeah. not on-chain funding, but there's kind of on-chain funding with, with Gitcoin and also consensus grants kind of counts in a way. Uh, so maybe you can, uh, for our listeners, kind of uh, fit Gitcoin in this spectrum of various ways to fund open source development in the crypto space. Yeah. Um, so, I mean... I'll start by saying that this is not something that's limited to crypto. Um, Nadia, who wrote the Roads and Bridges report, has this repo called Lemonade Stand, which is all these different ways that you can fund open source projects in the regular open source world. So bounties and grants and selling books and putting ads on your stuff. And all of these things have been around for a while. But the cool thing about crypto is that we've now got billions of dollars of market cap that's chasing too few developers and so you know if you think about it this is the first time that there's just been a, a ton of money sloshing around that's slated for open source software all of the money that used to go to some back office on wall street in the old world is now going to open source software and gitcoin wants to build the rails for that capital to be deployed to software developers and so um the the this sort of well, I mean, I guess we've got a couple of products that do that in, in several different ways. Um, I'm actually realizing halfway through this answer that I forgot what your question is. So if you wouldn't mind reminding mm -hmm. me, I'll, I'll drill in from there. <laughs> Maybe just the, the importance of funding people in this crypto space because oh, the funds yeah. aren't coming from anywhere else. Like the banks aren't going to fund yeah. this stuff. So how do these people get funding and, what are, yeah. and how does Gitcoin fund people in comparison to uh, other blockchain ecosystems? You don't know that the banks aren't going to fund these ecosystems. Yeah, I don't think it's that's definitive. possible. So, um, you know, there's there's sort of like what I would call the sort of like corporate virtue signal funding of open source, which is basically like, hey, we're a company that's making X tens of billions of dollars per year. And we realize that we need to recruit developers in mass. And we realize if we tell them there's a five person team working on open source, then we can recruit developers better. It's like a corporate virtue signal. Um, that's, that's, I think, like, it's a positive thing, but it doesn't address the fundamental systemic issue of, of funding these protocols. And particularly if you're a protocol for developers, like Ethereum is, then you want to have a diverse, diverse set of tools that can be used to fund projects in your ecosystem from four project investments like Consensus and Consensus's VC farm or uh, VC arm is doing 
to more projects that are public goods that are just like infrastructure, they're tools that that people are are building on. So um, you know, Gitcoin Grants is obviously the one that has the most zeitgeist momentum right now. And we're using Vitalik Buterin's uh, paper that he wrote with Glenn Weil called CLR, Constrained Capital Liberal Radicalism, to basically provide matching funds to projects in the Ethereum space that get donations from their peers. And the cool thing about CLR is that it matches not only on the depth of the contributions, but on the breadth of the contributions. So basically, if you... If, if Project A gets 100 bucks from one person and Project B gets 100 bucks across 10 people, then Project B has a much wider base of support and that will get more matching funds from the matching pool. And the cool thing about this is that it optimizes for the poor in the many as opposed to the whales in the ecosystem. So that's why um, I think people are really excited about Gitcoin grants right now. And honestly, I mean, like it pushes power to the edges, which is what I think is cool. Instead of some power broker sitting and deciding with, which projects are going to be funded, the community decides which projects are going to be funding. And, you know, it's kind of like you're seeing the sausage being made because the community is debating who's worth, worth funding. But it's that's that's decentralization, right? You get to everyone gets to make the decision. So can you talk a little bit about like where do the, the matching funds come from? Mm -hmm. uh, it comes from a benefactor that's looking to grow an ecosystem. So far, it's been the Ethereum Foundation. Actually, we've gotten a couple anonymous whales who well, anonymous or, or not anonymous, depending on who they are. But if you go to gitcoin.co slash grants, you can see all the past sponsors of, of funding rounds. So mostly the Ethereum Foundation so far, but we're talking to other people who want to build out their ecosystems. And uh, a lot of people want to recruit developers into their ecosystems these days. And this is a low OPEX, highly scalable way to do it. And, and the coolest thing about this, when we're going to like pitch a grant fund about doing Gitcoin grants, is that Gitcoin Grants not only is more scalable than your internal grants team, but it it um it gets the community to contribute half of the funds for these grants. So basically, if we have a hundred k matching pool, then you'll get a hundred k in crowd contributions and a hundred k from your from your pool. As opposed to if you're just giving out grants through your centralized grants team, you would be giving out uh you'd be giving out a hundred k, and it would all come from you. So um, to answer your question directly, the Ethereum Foundation mostly is is funding the grants so far, but we're looking for ways to decentralize the the grant matching pool a little bit more. We've got some fun ideas to do that. Mm -hmm. So uh, Vitalik comes up with this, Vitalik and Glenn come up with this CLR mechanism to help uh, more equitably, equi oof, equitably <laughs> distribute funds. Uh, and then the funds that we're using is really from the EF and then also consensus supports uh, Gitcoin. So it's very much an Ethereum ecosystem, like, like yeah, planning the flag in Ethereum. But at the same time, it sounds like, uh, you know, we've just finished round four of Gitcoin. And so you are now using uh, Ethereum successfully dogfooding its project for four rounds to, to show other uh, open source companies, non-crypto related uh, companies that, that want to help bootstrap uh, development or just uh, build out projects without uh, large overhead uh, that they can use Gitcoin for that uh, service. Does that sound about right? Yeah, I'd say that's about fair so far. Cool. Any questions, uh, Christian? Anything you want to talk about before we move on? Can you talk a little bit more about like what is the nature of some of the new partners you're looking for? Are these other protocols or is this solely still in the Ethereum ecosystem? Like what does that look like? 
Uh, we haven't signed any agreements yet. Um, and so I can't name any names, but I will say that there's um, projects within the Ethereum ecosystem that are trying to be, that are trying to build their own ecosystem. Um, and, you know, anyone who's trying to be a platform within Ethereum, you could basically view as, a, as, as someone who could give out a grants pool there. There's, there's sort of like other ecosystem organizational projects that, uh, that we're talking to. So basically like marketing DAO, I would describe as an Ethereum wide thing, but, uh, focused on slim thinly on the, the niche of marketing. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm just pitching them right now. They're accepting proposals and I'm like, Hey, why don't we do a 25 or 50 K marketing DAO Bitcoin grant proposal? And, uh, you know, that's, I'm just in the pitching phases. I'm not promising that to anyone. <laughs> I have to be like more careful about what I say about things because now we're doing things that actually matter and there's real money on the line. So, um, maybe that'll come, but yeah, I mean, to be, to be totally candid, we do have other chains that are interested in, in cop in, in taking what's successful with in the Ethereum ecosystem and, um, bringing it over to those chains and, and I, you know, I think that we're going to have to navigate that over the next several years. And, um, you know, the ones that are good actors is, is probably the chains, the chains that we'll, we'll start with. But I, um, I, I just want to say very briefly that I think that quadratic funding uh, could be a really important mechanism for, for the information age for communities to self-organize. I mean, I could imagine running a company where the budgeting process, the yearly budgeting process isn't some centralized executive team, but it's actually, they push power out to the employees where they get to vote. You get to vote for which of your peers have your respect and, and whose projects and teams you would like to fund and organize that way. I mean, quadratic funding, I really believe that we're, we're only scratching the surface of, of how powerful it could be. And, and I think that the work that we're doing with Vitalik to prove that out in the Ethereum ecosystem will hopefully let people see that in 2020. So that's a really interesting thought, uh, because one of the first things I learned when moving into this space was the theory of the firm and that the firm only gets larger uh, as a function of the transaction costs. Uh, and from, coming from, you know, a, a millennial that has, you know, have a bunch of other friends that are in very, uh, very hierarchical organizations, the very common criticism I have is that their input and their, and I've experienced this myself with my first job, like my, my input as an employee doesn't make it up the chain. Like the mm -hmm. people leading the company have absolutely no information about uh, what's going down like two, three, four tiers below them. Uh, and that sounds like a, as an internal mechanism for a firm, it sounds like a great way for information about the firm to, uh, to pass throughout it in a free market fashion. That's pretty cool. Yeah, one of the themes that we talk about a lot at Consensus is companies as marketplaces. So basically, like, how can you make your services into an API that other groups consume and, and you know, treat the internal groups in your company a little bit more like, like a marketplace? Um, but I think that one of the reasons for that is that, uh, you know, I've, I read The Sovereign Individual about two years ago, and it really informed my thinking. The, one of the theses is that we're moving from the industrial age, human civilization epoch, where uh, we're organized around industrial production lines and, and top-down command and control type structures to the internet, where things need to be agile and a little bit more flat, less hierarchical, more network-based. And so I think that, you know, this, this might be getting a little bit too philosophical for 
for, for this podcast. But, you know, the question in my mind is, what are the information age institutions that we're going to build to help people advance their projects, advance their company's goals, advance their ecosystems? And, and I, one of the things that's really exciting to me about quadratic funding is that it seems, A, very powerful, seems, B, like it's, it's information age native, and 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 see it it just it seems to be working as we do more and more Gitcoin grants rounds. So uh, I think it's an example of an inf- something that could become an information age institution if we're if we're successful. First off, the Sovereign Individual is one of my favorite books, so um, I'm constantly shilling it, and I think it really like paints a picture of like what the world could be, and people have a hard time envisioning that. Um, mm-hmm. The only bad side is the Y2K stuff at the beginning, but outside of that, yeah. it's pure gold. Well, it aged well other than the Y2K stuff, so, you know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, if you if you guys haven't read or listened to uh, Sovereign Individual, highly recommend it. Um, my kind of question is, I, I can understand how quadratic funding seems really cool, but do you have, like, how do you define success? Like, wh- Like, how do you know that it's actually working better than any other sort of like funding mechanism. Personally, I think that voting is good and bad. Like I, I'm not necessarily convinced that voting for things um, is necessarily, you know, the, the best way or the the optimal way to do everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. uh, You know, I, I, I don't think that quadratic funding is the end all be all. And I I don't, I wouldn't position it that way. Um, For us, success is, Vitalik in his blog post talks about this idea of a quadratic freelancer, someone who just works for the open internet funded by quadratic funding and subsidies. So you get to a point where, where you're able to just pay your mortgage and just work for open source and you're funded by Gitcoin grants or some other equivalent CLR technical mechanism. And, um, and I, mean, I think that our metric is is lives change. People who can quit their job and just work on the open internet uh, is, is, the, is the ultimate metric. And when I think about good funding mechanisms for open source, just to answer the question more broadly, it's it's um, is this enough to, is this enough money to meaningfully augment or change someone's lifestyle so they can quit their job? And you know, another important thing is like, does it allow them to keep doing what they're really good at? You know, for example, there's a lot of open source developers that basically can charge 20k to go to a conference across the world, or can write a book and can make their living that way. But when you're asking them to do that, you're taking them away from their work writing open source software, which is, you know, arguably the whole reason reason why they're there. So, um, you know, I, I want to see funding mechanisms that provide uh, high amounts of funding and are allow them to stay close to their work. And the third element I think that's actually really important is it's not coercive. So basically, in the industrial age, we funded all of our public goods with taxes, which, like, if you follow any libertarians on Twitter, then God bless you. But, um, you know, you know, the whole, like, taxation is theft. I shouldn't have to pay for this public good thing is, is sort of, like, it's something that's baked into public good funding in the industrial age. And the great thing about quadratic subsidies is that, is that they're not coercive. They don't take any money out of anyone's pocket. Same thing, that, like, block rewards are problematic for the exact same reason basically it's it's a coercive tax in exchange for using the system and so i think that that's one attribute that you can also play with when you're designing a funding mechanism i mean do you think there's a good time transition to like funding in general like like who what what other pro like what do you think about funding in the blockchain space in general and like who's Mm -hmm. doing it well like 
Yeah. Do you believe that corporate sponsors can sustain and like having no funding can sustain something that's important enough? Like, I guess there's a lot of things. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that, you know, one of the ultimate ways to create sustainable funding in the ecosystem is to allow people to create business models that, that keeps their project alive in exchange for private goods. And, um, you know, I'm on the web three business models, ETH magicians ring, and we've come up with lots of different ideas around, uh, different ways projects can make money that could, could, if Ethereum ever reaches scale, uh, basically fund, fund, fund projects. I mean, streaming money, for example, is, is one, is one thing that, uh, we've been talking about for like a year and a half and subscriptions are basically the foundation of web two, right? That Netflix monetizes with subscriptions. Um, if you take subscriptions, uh, all the way down from monthly, weekly, daily, hourly, minutely, second, nanosecond, then you're basically, you've basically created streaming money, which I think is, you know, that's the more correct progressive version of subscriptions that could fund, fund projects. I think that uh, obviously ads are, uh, ads and subscriptions, I think basically power web too. And, um, you know, Ads are great because you don't actually really have to come up with a business model where people pay, but they're also really awful because people are paying with their data and they don't realize that. And so we are in a place where we've got this surveillance capitalism where Facebook and Google are selling our data to the highest bidders. And Facebook and Google are just the most prominent examples. There's a whole, having lived in New York and like gotten drinks with some of my ad tech friends, I know there's like a whole shadow lurky economy around, around data. And um, this is, Gitcoin actually has a product called CodeFund, which is an advertising network that's targeted at sophisticated internet consumers who want to monetize their audience, but without selling out their audience. So we provide you a JavaScript snippet that you can put on your web page and you can monetize your audience and we don't track you at all. It's all just contextual ads. So um, I guess to answer your question directly, ads and subscriptions, I guess, are a really great way to fund a company. And that's in a lot of ways the ultimate sustainable way to 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 fund open source is to start an open source open source company on top of uh, on, on top of these protocols. I'm actually in the middle of uh, setting up my code fund account for for Realty. So Eric nice. Berry is so like I you. for not getting it done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, so I'm, like, oh, go ahead. I was gonna say for someone who's like a, and I, this is a separate question in in between a, a larger question, but um, for someone who's not like super familiar with Gitcoin, like how would you describe the entity that is Gitcoin? Is Gitcoin a centralized company that is providing uh, a service? Like, is it something in between? What is it? Yeah, um, we took a counter trend bet in 2017, and we didn't bother with the whole like white paper ICO tokenization uh, fight with regulators for three years thing. Um, which was like in 2017, that was the cool thing to do. So, um, you know, the plus minus on that is that we got three years to focus on products that we otherwise would have spent fighting with regulators and had burned on legal. And that was, that was great. Um, and, uh, but it also means that we're kind of designed more like a company than a protocol. We've kind of started with how can we provide the most value and then providing that value, scaling it up. And, and then we might get to a place where we can automate it away and there'll be no humans and like we can tokenize or something like that. But um, to answer your question, we are a company, not a protocol. And I think that we're one of the few projects that will say that, say that loudly and proudly because I know everyone's trying to create the next protocol for X right now. Well, not right now, in 2017 they were. We'll see what happens in the next bull run. 
So I know when people come to Gitcoin and they donate, uh, you guys kind of follow the Act Blue model, where if you donate to some campaign, you Gitcoin asks for like a small percentage, uh, small percentage extra to to help fund Gitcoin. Is that your guys' main revenue source, or are there others as well? Um, Gitcoin Grants Sustainability Fund raised like 10k this last round, which um, which was great. I I'm very thankful to everyone in the community that donated to us, um, whether out of laziness, not wanting to change the optional tip, or just because they they like what we're doing. Um, I'd like to think that they like what we're doing because in round three, something like 30% of people didn't change the default, and in and like after round three, Vitalik was like, this is wrong. Gitcoin should be able to sustain themselves by running these rounds. And then in round four, that number like doubled. So maybe there's a social perception that what we're doing is important, which thanks Vitalik if you're out there listening. Um, yeah, so right now uh, we make almost all of our money off of uh, selling virtual hackathons, which are basically just a two week virtual sprint where we'll put together like 10 sponsors get like on the order of a thousand hackers working on their ecosystem and distribute about 40 or 50 K worth of prizes per month. And um, you know, that's, that's like business line. Number one, business line. Number two is the ethical ad platform that, that we told you that we told you about. So um, basically we do podcast ads and we do JavaScript ad snippets across, across your, your repositories and we're doing like a million impressions per day, something like that. We take a cut of that and that gets us revenue. And then, and then the third category of things is like just on platform fees and in tips. And um, we've got a non fungible token called kudos, which you can purchase on our, on our, on our, uh, on our website. Like basically the use case is it's like a digital Hallmark card. Uh, you do a really great bounty for me on Gitcoin, David. And instead of just paying you an ETH, and having it be totally transactional, say I want to build a relationship with you, and so I can buy like a dollar, a dollar ten kudos, which is this non-fungible token that we have, and send it to you so that you can display on your profile that someone gave you a kudos. Think of it like a LinkedIn endorsement, but without the spam. Like it's a non-fungible like token. Gold. Yeah, exactly. Reddit. Yeah, and and so it also creates this like this metadata trail on Gitcoin where I can say, David's a really great JavaScript engineer. I just sent him a JavaScript Ninja badge. And then that mm -hmm. helps us place you for future, for future work. Right. So um, you know, like a lot of like little experiments like that, that, that we've been playing with rounds out our, our revenue. It's like a mechanism. It shows that somebody was willing to like burn a dollar so that somebody else could have a little badge of honor. Yeah. I think so. I mean, I, that's like a very crypto economic way of, mm -hmm. of saying it. Like when you get a birthday card from someone, you're not like, Oh, someone burnt $4 <laughs> that they care for me. They're like, Oh, you're like, Oh, this is a really thoughtful card. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. So I mean, I guess it just depends on how you look at it. Sure. How much, how much of like, all, are all of those things built on top of ETH? Like, I don't even, I'm not sure, you know, there's the hackathon and like the, the, yep. the ad network, all that is built on top of ETH. Like, um, we use Ethereum as technology when it provides value for us. Um, so, uh, yes, Kudos is built on ETH. Virtual hackathons are built on ETH. Um, the amazing thing about Ethereum is that um, when you have to post a bounty on Gitcoin for the virtual hackathon, you have to escrow funds in order to show people that you're, that you're reliable, um, that you're going to actually pay it out. 
And one of the cool things is that Gitcoin never sees that money because of, of Ethereum smart contracts. Like if you work at Upwork, there Upwork's a, um, a basically like a gig economy app that's built on web two tech. If you look at Upwork's terms of service, they have this thing called Upwork escrow LLC and they store the money in between the funder and the worker. And Gitcoin doesn't have to do that. And we'd have way less legal complexities because of that, because we can just escrow it on chain with a smart contract. And so I guess the answer is yes, it's uh, it's all built on built on ETH, except for the ad network. We haven't really found a good use for Ethereum technology for the ad network, except for like payouts uh, here and there. So I think we better get into the actual Gitcoin round before we run out of time. Uh, so I wanna do this in three phases. Uh, let's summarize phases one through three and kind of talk about what generally was funded and what was learned from phases one through three. And then let's talk about how round four was different. And then, and then at the end, we'll talk about Vitalik and his analysis of the whole thing. How's that sound? For sure. Yeah, that sounds great. So um, I'll just start off quantitatively. We've done four rounds of Gitcoin grants, CLR matching thus far. And, um, you know, the first round was very much an experiment. Could, could we do this? Could we apply Vitalik and Glenn's paper to Gitcoin grants to get people to actually donate? By the way, we launched Gitcoin grants in January of 2019. And we were like, here's Gitcoin grants, everyone. And no one, no one used it at all. Because, you know, who wants to donate money for free to other, to other projects? And, and CLR for us was a way to get the economic machine humming. So um, round one was on the order of 200 contributions, and it had 25K of matching. Round two was on the order of 400 contributions, and it had 50K worth of matching. Round, um, round three had 100K worth of matching, and this is where it, I think, started to actually pick up steam on social media and the reason why um we went from 200 to 400 to i think 2000 contributions in round three and this is actually like a really core insight that that i wish we had known from the start is um it, like we all think clr is this amazingly powerful formula once we've read vitalik and glenn's like 35 page paper um but but most of our users haven't and they don't they don't know how powerful it is and so all we did with round three that made that really made the the, the lion's share of the difference was um, if you're going to donate a dollar and it's going to come out as a two hundred dollars worth of worth of matching then we just put that in the UI so that you don't have to do you don't have to read Vitalik and Glenn's paper you don't have to like do the math yourself mm -hmm. it's just right there in the UI one dollar equals two hundred dollars in matching and that's what got a lot more contributions in from the community and so um, yeah so just just to get back to the numbers. Uh, 200 contributions on 25K, 400 contributions on 50K, and then 2,000 contributions on, on 100K. And then round four, we, we did, I think, 175K worth of matching, and that, that got on the order of 5,500 contributions. So, so, uh, so those um, are sort of 5X from, from, round, from, from round three. 5X um, in, in individual contributions. Uh, so 2,000 up to 5,500, which I guess oh, is, oh, is more like two and a half yeah, X okay. if, I, if okay. my math is good. If I can Still math pretty, me. yeah, better than mine. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so what about round four was uh, so different? Uh, so in round three, we had just one big pool for all projects. In mm -hmm. round four, we did a tech, um, well, actually, so round three, if you look at the leaderboard, I think Austin Griffith, 
uh, who's in a theory, the original inventor of the burner mm-hmm. wallet and actually an ex Gitcoin mm-hmm. team member got, I think he got like 25 K or something like that right. for right. his work in the commons. And, and if you look at Vitalik's blog posts, he, uh, with round three, he's basically like, look, I didn't even know who Austin Griffith was. I've been so, my like nose in the book with respect to protocol development that I didn't even know about this guy. And I didn't know a lot about on the app layer. And so, um, you know, we, we sort of work through the round three results and decide to come up with more of a, a we were going to have a tech round and then we're going to have a media round. So basically a hundred K for tech and then 75 K for media. And, and I, sort of the thesis is that, we can create controversy and more attention for Gitcoin grants with the media rounds. And that'll filter back into the, into the tech round as more contributions and the gambit works, you know, we went 2.5 X in contributions and, um, and, and sort of that was the play between round three and round four. Yeah. So as one of the recipients of the media grant, I, benefited from from that as well. And I, I thought it was also really funny that this was the round where everybody outside of Ethereum discovered what Gitcoin was. And so in this, at least in the Twitter sphere, uh, I, I saw like a, a very high number of Bitcoiners talking about the media grants, uh, specifically yeah. like, like all the, the, the trolls like Udi saying like, you know, uh, consensus or the EF is, is paying a bunch of Twitter trolls to to, to yep. shill Ethereum, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, in my opinion, that's just a clear signal that uh, the media grants were doing exactly what they were supposed to do. Uh, it caused a bunch of hubbub and generate a bunch of traffic. So I, I would imagine that that the, the I mean, yeah, you said it, the, uh, yeah. the amount of individual donations hit an all-time high for round four. Yep. And so, yeah, yeah, um, agree. Uh, you know, I... Um, I'm in a place where Gitcoin is evolving a platform of credible neutrality. And so uh, it is my role to build the platform that works for everyone and to not comment on my opinion on, on the controversy. Um, but I will say that one of the things that Vitalik talks about in, round, in his round four wrap-up post is this idea of, of um, some of the media grants were really, were really controversial. And if you look at the leaderboard, you can see some of the more controversial ones. And Vitalik says that there's, there's this idea of negative voting that can be used to basically dampen down more controversial media grants. And so basically, um, if a $1 contribution to a specific grant can, can re- mean $200 worth of matching funds in the positive sense, then you could do a $1 negative contribution and detract a similar amount of uh, of money from from the funds, and so um, we're playing with the idea of for the media grants in round five, which will be in March. In in March, we'll have a negative vote where you can say, "I don't think this 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 grant should get money," and I'm going to vote I'm going to vote a dollar that, that this grant shouldn't get any money. And so, uh, and so this is where things come full circle. And you know, the question is, what do what do we as Gitcoin do with that dollar? Like, we're not going to give it to the person that you downvoted. And so one of the things that I'm sort of pitching back to Vitalik and others who are helping us design this is, what if we take the money from the negative grants in the media round and we put it into the matching pool for tech, for the the tech round? So basically you're creating this mechanism where you have have controversy being created and money is spinning out of it and you're using it to fund open source software. So (laughs) that's sort of like my way of distributing the, the tech CLR round away from just being the Ethereum Foundation funding it. 
but I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see if it happens for round five. I think it'd be, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens if, if and when we, we make some changes to the mechanism. So uh, let me let me hop in on this one. I'll let you go, Christian. So what about so if if one dollar is matched by two hundred dollars to somebody that you don't want matched, and you, you vote you vote negative that uh, one dollar, and then they are reduced a commensurate amount, wouldn't that wouldn't it make sense for that one dollar to be allocated equally to everyone else other than that person, and therefore everyone else would receive roughly $200 or whatever that was punished from that one individual. So basically what you're saying is that this guy, I I would rather donate to everyone else. And I think this guy is too much uh, funded too much. Does that make sense? That's that's pretty much the exact, um, the exact mechanism. It's just that this is a more gas efficient way of doing it. There's way less state changes. Yeah. Right. Right, right. Okay. How gameable do you think like this current system is? Because really, the only thing stopping someone from donating to themselves is making more Git GitHub accounts or sending it to friends that have GitHub accounts or whatever. Yeah. So there's uh there's two types of attacks on this system. The first is civil attacks, which is basically like you make up a fake identity, John Doe, and you have it uh you have it donate to, I'm just going to pick on you guys. It's going to donate to POV crypto uh, in the media round. And, and then there's a collusion type attack where you're like, Hey, you guys have GitHub accounts, right? I'll give you $10 each and just like give it back to me on my Gitcoin grant. And, and so there's, there's a lot of attack surface area here. If you don't clamp down Sybil, I'll start with that since that's the, that's the, the simplest one. And so GitHub has their own anti Sybil sort of mechanisms and and actually if you try to sign up for an account with from the same ip address or like they do something where they'll stop you from actually creating a github account so it's kind of nice that they did a lot some of that work for us and then we have an algorithm internally that that we can use in order to uh flag accounts that we think might have just been created for clr and um you know as a credibly neutral uh platform you can expect that we'll be publishing sort of guidelines on on exactly how we do that, and you know the code base is all open source, so you could go find it if you if you wanted to, and so that's that's sort of like the Sybil attack vector. Um, the collusion the collusion vector is is something that I think that um, we're we're still sort of evolving as we put more money into every single round, and and we've been working with with um, with Vitalik on the best way to to do that. Um, but I do want to very quickly shill pairwise bonding on on CLR, which is basically a way of saying, look at a group of contributors. If they're only contributing to the same three grants or to the same five grants, then basically dampen their contributions according Mm -hmm. to some mathematical formula. So pairwise bonding basically looks at what are the grants that you've contributed to? What are the grants that David's contributed to? And then looks at the overlap in between them. And if there's people that are colluding that on all on the same grants, that it automatically pulls back their their contributions in the CLR matching formula. So it's actually a really mathematically elegant way to to prevent collusion attacks from happening. But um, they, we could spend an, an entire hour probably on attack surface for this, and I know we're sort of winding up. I'd say rate, uh, read Vitalik and Glenn's paper if you want to know know more about civil and collusion attacks, and um, and follow Vitalik on Twitter because he's like next level smart, tweeting about how to avoid these attacks. That's perfect. And if people want to find out more about Gitcoin and about you, Kevin, where should they go? 
You can Google Gitcoin. Um, I think we've finally reached the level in which Google doesn't autocorrect Gitcoin to Bitcoin. So nice. you'll find our website. <laughs> um, nice. Twitter.com slash slash Gitcoin. Um, and then you can follow me on, on Twitter at Owaki, O-W-O-C-K-I. I mostly tweet about public goods funding, open source software, and sort of design interfaces for Gitcoin grants. And uh, Vitalik and Glenn are more on the economist side designing these mechanisms. We're, we're kind of just the team that builds the shiny interface that actually implements the mechanisms. So that's the division of, of all the people you could follow there. Well, Kevin, thank you for coming on POV Crypto. And also thank you for building Gitcoin because I have financially benefited from it. Cool, happy to share my POV. <laughs> nice, Christian. You guys can find me on Twitter at CK underscore Snarks. Kevin, thanks for coming on and uh, answering my, my questions. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And you guys can follow me at Trustless Date, both on Twitter and on Medium and at ETH Denver with Kevin in like two and a half weeks, it, less than two weeks. It will be dope. Yeah. Oh, I have to very briefly show since you said ETH Denver that we're mm -hmm. running a one day celebration of open source and public goods and how blockchain could be a new hope for open source and public goods. It's called Sustain Web 3 and it's February 13th at the same venue as ETH Denver the day before ETH, ETH Denver. So if you're looking for something to do in Colorado and you're a day early, stop by Sustain Web 3 at ETH Denver, ETH Denver venue. Perfect. Awesome. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks. Peace.